Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Talk Podcast. Today, we are hosted by the home team, Pete's Flips, Nick Spizak. Um, totally transparent here. We are both dragging ass after, uh, you know, working through the nine to five. Um, but we are here and we are recording. So, Nick, thanks for thanks for popping in. Yeah. Uh, we are going to be talking about building our virtual teams, things we should be talking about, thinking about um, as we progress through that journey, when the right time to get the virtual team is. Um, things we should be thinking about as we create and foster a really nice uh, group. Nick, any thoughts before we get rolling? Let's just let's lean into the uh, the dragon comment you made because uh, I'll be honest, like we're not as prepared for this one as we were for some of the other ones. And I think sometimes it's important to just kind of lean into the fact that if you're 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 a business owner and you're doing it at nighttime, not every night is going to be where you're at a hundred percent. Like there's going to be things that are going on and the struggles that you have and the things that are there and you just keep going. Oh, hundred percent. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I'll be totally transparent with the audience. We are in an Airbnb. I am filming this from a bed because the lighting's good. So like we are, we're just making it work, making it happen. It's not always pretty, but it, uh, you know, you follow through on your commitments. Right. Um, so, Let's see here. Um, so I think, why don't we just kick off? Like, Nick, when do you think, like, you know, when you're ready to have a virtual team? When is that moment? I think people struggle with this. It's everyone's probably going to have a different item, but it's probably going to be when, when you start either dropping the ball, you realize you're like, I, the, it's a low ROI activity. Something that I could be focusing on something else that would be way higher value, whether that's sourcing or et cetera. Those would be things maybe you're keeping to the vest, but Hey, like your buy sheet, do you need to maintain your buy sheet independently? Or is that something that's a perfect item to, to get to get outsourced to a remote team? So I think everyone's going to have a slightly different answer. Um, the knee jerk reaction might be to, to go straight to sourcing, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be, what are those things that you know, you can, you can go ahead and, and get rid of right off the bat. hundred percent. Well, I think that what you see is that like people hear about the idea of Amazon, right? And they are like, oh my God, it'd be great to have a virtual team running that. So I don't have to actually do the work. Um, and I think if you, if you approach it from that perspective, um, you're going to be in a world of hurt because if you, if you, if you open up the account, you get a virtual team member, they're going to bleed you dry early. Cause you are not, you're not going to have high enough, you know, numbers to support the weight of their, you know, their salary. Right. Um, so and, and like, I like the point that you made, Nick, that everybody's going to have their own individual, um, you know, like calculation, like everybody's got a different life. Like, um, you know, the, the person that has, you know, started to master the skill, but also has those family commitments, the nine to five, whatever they still have going on in their life. Maybe it's time a little earlier, but mm -hmm. if, you know, if you're 19, you're living in your parents' basement, we should be pushing that off a little bit because you got the time. You got yeah. the time. So, and, and you may not have the money, right? So right. that's where you, it might be one of those things where you do an announcement. You're like, "Hey, am I time rich, or do I have, or am I more cash? Like, do I have more cash that I can use for that?" And you can use money as an, a mechanism for it. So, yeah, that equation is going to be totally different for each person, right? And just never think that a virtual team or virtual, you know, assistant is going to solve your business's problems. It'll probably create more problems at the very beginning, like, mm -hmm. because then, you, then you're, you're responsible for somebody like they're basing their lives around your business. 
And if you don't know your shit, that is a problem. That is, I think you're just, you're just asking for problems in the long run. You may cause stress on that person as an individual. So you really, you, you can't just go get a VA. You need to, you need to be very thoughtful. You have to understand your numbers. You have to make sure that it makes sense for you. Yeah. Let's, let's unpack that one a little bit. So Pete, if, as you're starting to build out your team right now, what are some of the things you're thinking about of how you want to structure them, creating, you know, the routine to really what you just talked about there? What are some of the items you're thinking about that? So um, I think about it in a few ways. I think about one, I think about mitigating risk. So one, um, our virtual team is split between three people. So, you know, that cost is spread out across three people. Um, that person, our, our team has, um, you know, more tasks to do just because there are three people. And so um, that's really nice because, I mean, to be totally honest, I'm pretty time constrained, right? You have a lot of balls in the air. Um, and so if I don't have the time to go train in one, one aspect, I could tap into either of the maxes and say, hey, could you pick up the ball for me right now? So mm -hmm. I think about sharing that cost um, as, as one thing. And that, that I think is a smart thing to do. It's, it's very similar, uh, to when, you know, you, you first start Amazon, you got your group of sourcing buddies, whatever the case may be, you're learning together. Like yeah. you're, you're learning how to manage, you're learning how to inspire, you're learning how to create structure. So th those are some thoughts, um, that I have after like really diving in on the virtual team. And I think that the nine to five experience also helps quite a bit because you're, 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 you're taking the best practices that you really like from your manager. You're taking, um, you know, the lessons that you've learned as a mentor to the younger associates at the company. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, that's been super helpful. And it, I think that, um, it's helped quite a bit, uh, with creating that relationship, understanding, um, so I, I, I mean, tangent, I've had my manager at work for probably like five years. Like I, I left the company at one point, came back. It's a good company. Um, but I saw how he behaved when he was, um, just starting. Cause I got him like his first, he was, it was the first team that he managed. And then I saw the little tweaks that he made along the way. So mm -hmm. it was like really cool. Cause I just saw him evolve and I saw so you use him as a roadmap because he's a really good manager. Um, and so taking all those lessons, combining it into one is, is something that I've I've done. Yeah, I, I think we should talk a little bit more about that because we probably take that aspect for granted that the rest of the viewers would probably appreciate the the types of questions that good leaders not even I don't even like to use the term good manager sometimes because mm -hmm. there's a manager and there's a leader and they're very different and That's a leader true. may not have any direct reports, but you can tell that they command a room just based on the way that they speak, the way that they interact, their relatability. And a lot of that stems from the types of questions that they answer or they ask. Mm -hmm. So are they asking questions? And as a business owner, are you asking your remote team open-ended questions where they're able to come with maybe the solution or at least an attempted solution that you can ask the next set of questions to get to their, their aspects of learning? Oh, I, I think that's a really good point. Like, um, it actually reminds me that I have to follow up on a task, but, um, so I gave like with, with our virtual team, I give very specific instructions because, you know, learning, uh, we're trying to create that foundation. Um, and our virtual team just, she came back and she had a proposal 
like she she was thinking about it which is awesome to see and she was like well why don't we refer them in this buyer message to this uh to this part of the of amazon's like terms of service or uh you know a resource like that's really awesome to see but when you get that you got to take advantage of it and you really like you have to be like that's a really good idea because what do you want to do you want to see more of that right and so you want you need to incorporate that like that's important um because it shows that they care um and just a, a tangent something that gary v says is nobody's going to give a shit about your business like you are so you should not expect them to but uh if you can get like 50 percent care rate that's awesome like i think that's a good metric um and so when you see a behavior that you like, you got to reward it mm -hmm. like a hundred percent. Yeah. And that doesn't always have to be extrinsic in the form of compensation either. Like the, the acknowledging of it goes way farther than most people may think, right? Like opening up a conversation with your team in the first five to 10 minutes that has nothing to do about your Amazon business. How are you? Right. Right. How's your family? Can I see a pic? Like, show me your daughter. Like, tell me, like, like, give pictures of family, relatable moments, things like that. What did you do for the weekend? Like, it sounds like such common sense with it, but at the same time, like, if you're so hyper focused on your business to that point, you're going to care about that so much more that you'll get more in productivity out of your team to just take a step back for a couple minutes. You just got to show that you give a shit. Like that. Yeah. That's like ninety percent of the game is showing that you give just a little bit of a shit and whether that means like showing up to uh the extra events or it means uh you know supporting someone when they're feeling low or you know uh asking somebody about their day like these little things add up and um i think it, it just positions you to you know really have strong relationships in the long run i ask them what their career goals are right so just because right? You bring them in for sourcing, you bring them for admin, be like, what, what do, where would you like to be in the next couple of years? So then you give them a career progression. Like one, one of our, one of our um, remote workers really wanted to get into purchasing and he was at sourcing at that point. So we spent three months of how do we get you to purchasing? And it was actually a good exercise also because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to trust someone to do the purchasing. So gave a little bit of time to work into it. And what worked pretty well with it was so tactically setting up a virtual credit card, right? There's plenty of different ones that you can use to set that up um, and setting it on a limit. So that way, regardless, you have a risk mitigation that you have the, the credit card on a very specific limit. Now, the first month was very much looking at it of, okay, review the, review the lead and show me how you would go about buying it. And as each week would go around, then it would be, okay, now you're going to buy the lead and I'm going to watch you do it. And then it's, hey, you're going to buy the lead. I'll check on it the next day to see how it went. And that was all month one and month two. And month three was the opposite was, okay, now show me if you would buy this lead based on everything you know from sourcing and let's go the opposite way of it. So you tell me, I'll approve it. So there's always that aspect of, okay, I got final say on approving the purchase and then, they can, and then you can buy it. But it gives a roadmap that if your career goal is to get into purchasing, let's figure out a plan and how we can get there in a way that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, supporting somebody's long-term vision is, is really important. It's probably something that like I need to improve on and, and may start looping in. Um, so I'm getting value out of this. Um, but 
another thing that I'm curious about is, I mean, it's something that you've seen with me recently, but like setting structure, setting a schedule, like what is, what is your uh, structure and schedule with your team? What did it look like at the beginning and what does it look like now? I was a train wreck in the beginning, right? Cause you're just kind of trying to figure out what the pace is going to be, but now it's like, okay, I know that my schedule is 8 PM to 12 AM every night. Right. So we'll usually do a good morning right around that time, check in. And then for the team, they'll send uh, messages through, uh, we use messenger and WhatsApp depending on what we're, what we're working on. So it's just sending the next day. Like obviously they're working overnight where I'm sleeping and to wake up like, Hey, this is what I accomplished for the day. So then you have that feedback loop, um, to see what, what was accomplished and then you can structure it. Now, sometimes it makes it, it's a little bit easier to say, okay, this is the plan for the week. And then you can kind of tackle that because uh, let's be real, right? Some days are going to be busier than others. And you're not necessarily always going to have the time to, to have those regular check-ins you should, but the reality is you're not always going to have that. So if you at least have a plan for the week, then there's no, there, it limits the amount of confusion potentially of, Hey, what should I be working on for today? Do you have any like KPIs that you're working towards? Yeah. So we have, so I broke them up right now. Probably should put these out there because I would love to get other others feedback on it. If they're good, they're bad, they're, you know, different ways to do it. But I set them up in quantitative versus qualitative metrics. So your quantitative is going to be all your hard numbers, right? It's going to be based around, okay, I'd like to see greater than, you know, 40% ROI on these types of products, unless these conditions are met, right? Based on velocity or your, your fundamentals of Amazon, right? So those will be, those are your hard metrics. Those are the things that you set up for a sourcing team to say, uh, okay, this is what we're after. The, the qualitative ones are going to be things that you're mess like if you're in an OA based business, you might be looking at ease of ease of purchase. Certain websites are going to cancel really heavy. We might like we might like that particular site because we have a loophole or a certain coupon code or you know some knowledge about the site. Or it might be a site that you know what we can buy really deep at this one. And we're that's a qualitative metric that says let's prioritize that over some of the other ones that may have better quantitative numbers of ROI and velocity, but it's just easier to be able to get the depth. So you're not spending as much time on that. So that that's one way that, that we like to structure it is for a sourcing uh, talent, quantitative and qualitative versus admin, which they're incentivized by different things, right? So with admin uh, help, it may be around you know, being able to look at how many cases. So if you're using Cell Investigator or another recovery service, are we looking into those and, hey, are we trying to, you know, submit some of those cases manually, keep some of the bottom line on there. So there's there's ways that you could structure that for the, the type of uh, person on your team and the roles that you're given them. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, I think in, in as I, I mean, you're a little bit further along in, in creating this structure, but like, I mean, just having this conversation, I think that the one element that I've pulled out is that everything is very iterative. Like it, it just slowly improves over time. Like when you start, you gotta be very comfortable that it's not all figured out, mm -hmm. but in like six months, you'll probably be shocked if you just keep showing up at how far you've come and you'll create those incentive structures along the way. And, you know, if you can create, even if you can create like monetary incentive, like in the example of like seller investigator, you know, Hey, if you go do this manually without them, like without seller investigator being needed, like we'll give you 5%, you 
or, you know, give you a portion because it's saving the business money and then it puts some, you know, money directly in their pocket. So they have incentive to go figure it out with maybe not a ton of input from you. Yeah. hundred percent. There's so many ways you can do that, right? Is it, is it career growth? Is it incentivized by, you know, cash percentage of cash back? There's, there's a lot of different ways you can do it depending on how you want to set up your, your business. Now I want to ask you a question, Pete, what would be as you're starting to put your team together, right. And going through learning, what what that would look like for you what are you using do you have a specific type of standard operating procedures or videos like walk walk us through how you're doing your upskilling and your training for for your team yeah so like um loom is is my favorite because um because of the time constraints in my life um i don't like explaining things like for the first time in like a one-on-one call I want to maximize the gaps um, after I've created a base. So I'll create a five to 10 minute loom video explaining a topic, you know, giving them the information that I think is going to give them, call it, you know, 60% of the information. And then let's hop on a secondary, uh, like one-on-one call that irons out everything I missed. Um, Because I think then you're incentivizing those folks to ask really good questions and that can one it can improve your understanding um it can then you know really empower them but then you're also not just um you're maximizing your time and you're also creating an artifact that you can leverage in the future Mm -hmm. so um i really like to to double dip whenever i can um and like i use loom all the time now in like the nine to five uh because i think that um there's opportunity there to create um, you know, documents that live on. Cause I'd, I'd answered the same question way too many times. So <laughs> just to various people. So now it's saying, okay, Hey, we have this living here. We know this is a common question because there's a knowledge gap. You, you go look at that first and then you can, you're more than welcome to circle back with me. Um, and just totally dropped a corporate, uh, buzzword right there. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, in, in trying to shift a culture, um, of like, you know, there's collaboration and there's dependence. Like that is like kind of shifted me into being like, I want to create a lot of independent people that are like incentivized to make their own decisions. And so if I just give a loose framework, they go run, they're probably going to do some good things. If they, if they feel like they have the opportunity to fail, like I, I'm totally about that. I, I'd rather that than the person that asks for, for permission with everything. Mm-hmm. Nick, kind of circling back the question to you, like what what sort of tools are you using to, um, you know, create these SOPs um, and share them? Yeah. So right now, the the stack that we're using right now is Confluence for SOPs. I, I'm going to be moving that over to Notion. Notion's got some is is also free that you can use, and it's got a lot more features there. So. I'll be moving a lot, a lot over there because you can stru- you can structure them as like education curriculums. You can have them be databases. There's so much flexibility um, to be able to use it. You can you can publish it as a website. So if you want it to be available, you may not want your internal procedures to be available on the web. So just keep that in mind. But it does have that as different options. So really good tech that's flexible for for SOP creation. Um, scribe how for anything that's screenshot oriented, like take, it's basically a video 
that you can go through and it's going to produce different screenshots of the of the SOPs that you have. And you hit the nail on the head, right? Loom is so is such a good way of, of doing it because you may have an idea, you may have something coming through and you're like, let me just make a quick loom on this, can shoot it over to the team. And then that sets the framework up for them to be able to ask the questions on uh, to, to see what the comprehension is around the particular topic. 100%. Yeah. And like what we're doing now um, is I'm going to give a loom video and then I'm going to have our team then go use scribe how to like have the, the dual, like the dual threat, you're going to have video and then you're going to have written mm -hmm. um, because, you know, over time as the, the team grows, you're going to run into different learning styles. And um, I think just having both of those one, it's going to enhance their learning and then you got both and I don't have to do it. So it, it's just a win win. Um, it's also going to reinforce their their learning a little bit. So um, because if you have to teach something, you better know what's going on. Like you kind of you're forced to really understand the questions or anticipate the questions. So I think that's a great way uh, to force yourself to learn your, like yourself because you don't want to look silly when you present. Yeah, that's and and that and that actually teaches like you hit you hit the nail on the head on that one too, right? Because as soon as you're forced to teach it, you realize where your own gaps and knowledge that you yeah. assume that you had it the whole time. You're like, oh wait, yeah. what's that acronym mean again? <laughs> For you may have been skimming, like you may have just just been getting by. Yeah. But now you really understand it, right? Mm -hmm. um, what are like so for, for the folks that are just are thinking about, you know, getting a virtual team, what, what are some like tasks that you think are worth getting off your plate? Uh, right off the bat, your email. So this might be a hot take. Some folks may not want to give their emails. So, but in terms of like low ROI activity, right? Setting up, if you're in an OA-based business um, where you have several emails, you probably have, you know, a hundred different websites, maybe less than that, but you have a ton of websites that you're getting emails from being able to structure that. So are you setting up mail rules? Do you have filters created for each site so you can keep track of it? Are you uh, putting things into Google Drive for invoices that you may need to have later because you're going to get hit with something. It's not an if and it's a when where you're going to need to produce invoices for your Amazon business. So I would say that's one of those items that it's extremely tedious, but it's something that is very teachable that you can put a Loom video out. You can point to already existing documentation on the internet to say, hey, for today, I'd like you to go through my main emails and put them all based off the of mail rules into folders. Yep. Super just keeps you organized. You're only seeing the things you need to see. You can go through them when you are when you have it. And then you can go right into some of the seller central stuff, right? That might be responding to customer messages. That may be looking at your existing inventory and switching them to hide stock counts with, you know, your, your uh, maximum uh, purchases that you could do off of there. So you could toggle it off of there. It may be going into inventory lab or seller board, to, depending on which uh, tool you're using to put in your cost of goods sold, right? There's there's so many low hanging fruit for activities that are simple to do that, frankly, you, should, you shouldn't be doing. And yeah. it's a great way to kind of start getting into looking at having remote help to be able to assist with your business. 100%. And what, and one thing that I, I thought of as you were kind of listing off a few of them was the email. Um, Garrett just tweeted a really good structure for that. I know that some people like you, you get overwhelmed because you have so many choices and avenues that you could go, but I'll find that tweet and throw it in the description. Uh, just cause I thought it was like 
I mean, he he's run an OA business. He's run a wholesale business. This is where he landed. You don't have to think about it. Just just take it and run mm -hmm. with it. Um, so I'll I'll make sure that we get that in the description. But um, yeah, I think just having very simple rules that allow you to know where to look. It's going to save you a lot of time. Um, I think like fighting account health problems. Uh, that would that's a good one. But I think you really you nailed it. I think over time buying. Yeah. Um, but that one involves more trust um, mm -hmm. in your team and you might just kind of, it might take some time to get there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think really what you're hitting on is the real pain point in the OA space, which is just maintaining good data quality. Like we're getting into tax season and that's going to be difficult for a lot of people mm -hmm. um, because f sourcing and maintaining quality data, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it's it's a ton there, and and think of, and think of if you went through a full year, right? Did you maintain your buy sheet? And we didn't bring that one up. Also, a great a great uh, task for remote talent because yep. maintaining your buy sheet from the time you purchase it from the supplier, mm -hmm. tracking numbers to your prep center, from your prep center to Amazon, from Amazon to sold, like being able to have that full reconciliation. There's going to be leakage there, and. If you recover that leakage, that goes straight back to your bottom line. Right. So there's there's some value there in and putting you know someone on your team to to take care of those tasks. Hundred percent. Well, and I think that I think that like two things I want to bring up. One, I think there is going to be leakage. Like these retailers are not a hundred percent on the mark or on the money all the time. And you know the postal service, UPS, there's going to be mix up. It's going to happen. Um, so do not put your head in the sand about that. Like it, it's, it's, it's a legitimate concern. Like you need to be on top of that. And then, um, another thing that I was thinking about was when we're maintaining that buy sheet, like if you get it down to a science and you've taught this, right, you just chuck the order number in, they go figure everything out. And then also we got to be really cognizant about what our prep center systems look like, because you might be able to kill a ton of work with how all of these systems are integrated by just having them use inventory. If they use inventory lab, it flows over to whatever your repricer is and you can mm -hmm. save a lot of time. So that when you're looking at that prep center, if there's a like cohesive data integration flow where it's just going from inventory lab and then it hits, you know, call it BQL or seller snap, like that's a lot of time that your then virtual team doesn't have to spend inputting costs. In, yeah. in all these different systems. So that like that's that's a determining factor, I think, when you're evaluating a prep center. Yeah, that that's a huge that's a great point, right? Because that, that's that's one of those things that yeah, then you don't may not necessarily need to have someone to put in your, your cost of goods sold there. If you already had it integrated with your repricer to inventory lab or you know, whatever your um inventory tracking software is, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I mean it may it may be a differentiating point between like what repricer you use too. I mean, if you can line all these suckers up and like the repricing strategies are similar, like I'm going to take the one that has the integration because I know that that's going to save me labor, um, yep. or it, or they can be sourcing or they can be doing other higher leverage tasks. And I think that's what really everybody should be thinking about when they like Amazon's a great platform to really get your capital up, and then what you should be doing along the way is thinking about what is the next like higher leverage opportunity? Um, mm -hmm. I think that that is a good way to go into it. And I think you're going to learn so many lessons through your Amazon business that you may not have exposure to on the corporate side, because in the corporate side, 
um, you're gonna be very specialized. Like you're gonna see a sliver of the business because your role is defined. Whereas here, you're gonna see end to end and you're gonna see all the problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think that's a good one to wrap up for tonight, right? So like a, a takeaway lesson there as you're looking for your remote team, look at it as if it's something that you haven't done before, look at it as a learning opportunity to how to start structuring your business, right? If, if Amazon is one, uh, one income stream and you're looking at other higher leverage opportunities, that skill set that you're going to acquire by going through this exercise is directly transferable into anything else that you're going to do, right? You're you're going to need to have relationships. You're going to be looking to how to figure out ways to structure and manage your team. How do you motivate others, right? This is this is as a business owner, this is a people-based industry, so yeah. you're gonna you're gonna have that as a as a lifelong skill set that you can use regardless of whatever you're in. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. I, I think that's a good spot to wrap. Um, that was a great combo. I think despite being a little tired through, <laughs> and I, I mean, I thought it was a good conversation. So um, everybody, thank you for tuning in. We'll check you next time. Okay. Peace.